Hey guys, Finn here, and this is the third episode of the Irish VC. In today's episode, our host, Kinsey Aikens, speaks with Leo Hamill, the current chairperson of the Irish Venture Capital Association. But before we begin the interview, here's a quick rundown of all the most recent Irish tech news. Irish-led drone firm achieves major milestone in Britain. Seas.ai, an Irish-led Boeing-backed tech firm, has become the first company in Britain to secure permission to fly drones remotely to inspect live overhead high-voltage power lines. Peter Thiel's fund invests in Irish co-founded fintech firm. Atoa, an Irish co-founded fintech company, has raised $6.5 million in a seed round led by Valor Ventures, a US fund backed by tech billionaire Peter Thiel. EV charging point provider Weave secures £50 million in investment. Weave, a Belfast-based startup that provides charging infrastructure for electrical vehicles, has secured up to £50 million in funding to help with its rollout in Northern Ireland. Dublin-based fintech NomuPay raises $53 million from backers. NomuPay, a Dublin headquarter fintech founded following the acquisitions of assets from Wirecard, has raised $53.6 million in investment. Irish co-founded infant formula firm Bobby hits revenues of $100 million. Bobby, an Irish co-founded startup that has developed a healthier infant formula for the North American market, has hit $100 million in revenues. Flipdish eyes profitability as it makes acquisition. Flipdish, the Irish tech unicorn, is getting closer to profitability, its co-founder James McCarthy has said. He was speaking as the company announced a deal to acquire point-of-sales firm Genobi for an undisclosed sum. McCarthy said the deal marks a major expansion of the company's product suite as it launches Flipdish POS, a new restaurant management system that incorporates Genobi's software platform with its own. EdgeTier raises 6 million euro to create nearly 50 jobs. EdgeTier, a startup using AI to improve customer service, has raised 6 million euro in investment, which it intends to use to more than triple the number of employees it has. Founded in 2015 by Shane Lynn, Bert Lahan, and Karen Tobin, EdgeTier operates in more than 20 countries, processing billions of meshes through their systems for clients that include the likes of Abercrombie & Fitch, Cartroller, Ryanair, TUI Travel, and Electric Ireland. Forbes confirms Limerick event two years after inflammatory Stab City article. Forbes has confirmed plans to host a special event in Limerick next month, two years after the US publication ran an inflammatory article about the city. The publisher said the under 30 form will include local entrepreneurs, business school students, and people who have been on the 30 under 30 list to put up a spotlight on rich business landscape of Limerick. Restaurant management startup Nori raises $7.7 million. Nori, an Irish founded restaurant management system, has raised $7.7 million in seed funding as it looks to disrupt how hospitality businesses are run. Founded and led by Connor Sheridan, who previously co founded and scaled restaurant group Mad Egg, Nori is developing what it describes as an operating system for hospitality businesses that address staffing, inventory, scheduling, waste, and more with artificial intelligence to improve decision-making. And that is all your Irish tech news. Here is the interview with Leo Hamill. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Kingsley Aikens from the Networking Institute here, and I'm with a bit of a rock star this morning, somebody who is a complete legend in the industry that he worked in for over 30 years, and that's Leo Hamill. So good morning, Leo, and thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning, Kingsley. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on this morning. Delighted to have the opportunity to, to, to speak with you. So listen, 30 years with uh, 30 years in the finance and private equity and venture capital industry. I mean, you've sort of seen it all from all sides. But, you know, you could have, you could have ended up being a dentist, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's right. Um, yeah, uh, could have could have been a dentist. Perhaps perhaps I, I should should have been. Um, but I, you know, I, I came from a, a family five children and I'm the youngest and brothers and sisters were doing things like engineering and two of them became uh, did medicine and, and became anesthetists so my father was trying to push me down that 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 particular direction into medicine and um, you know I couldn't stand sight of blood so uh, I kind of capitulated and I'd studied physics chemistry and biology in fact I did biology as an eighth subject on my own with the help of my brother and and and, and did that and uh, you know compromised and went down the dentistry route but I was only in there for about three or four months in Trinity when I realized I don't want to do this 
And just before we get into those early company experiences, I mean, going to Trinity and then you also went to Smartford Business School, they must have been quite, um, you know, I, I say this the best possible way, kind of shocking experiences to, to the world that you were in. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Um, you know, even so in 1989, I went into to Trinity. I, I, I grew up in, uh, in, in, in North Dublin and Santry, um, and in those days, Santry was, you know, it, it would have been kind of lower middle income area, middle class area, and you know, it's now seen as, you know, it's not seen as a suburb of Dublin. It's it's very much part of the capital in the sense of really close to the city centre because obviously Dublin has exploded, but. It, it was, I found it difficult to settle uh, people from, San, there were very few people going to college. In fact, on my particular street, my brothers and sisters were the first to ever go to university. Nobody did it. People did trades and, you know, a lot of them went other routes, got into crime, criminality, etc. And, you know, it, 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 it was difficult because Trinity in those days was very much the, you know, it was still very much the Southside College, uh, you know, for Southsiders or, or, you know, or people who who went from the north side of the city were from, you know, from affluent areas, Clontarf, Malahide, Sutton and so on. And I, I did find it hard to, to, to mix uh, a bit of a home birth. So I didn't really integrate too well over the first few, few, few years. In hindsight, I look back on it, I kind of feel it was a bit of bit of bit of a wasted experience on me uh, but I, I I do love the college I love where it is I love the setting but at the time I found it found it difficult to integrate um, and I afterwards I then you know within three years of, of graduating from Trinity I then went to the Michael Smurfer Graduate School of Business I was very young going to it to do an MBA um, but it suited me because I was uh, then with my my now wife, uh, you know, but we we didn't have children, and uh, a lot of the guys in my in my class, my peer group, were were all senior executives, uh, and you know they were they were time poor, whereas I had a lot of time, and yeah. I excelled. I excelled in in there, the, the 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 the, and I learned as much from the lectures as I did from my peers. So it really suited me because it was done at a time in my life when I had lots of spare time and I was trying to build my career, whereas they had a lot of those guys I, I, I did my MBA with. They had, a, they had a lot of management responsibilities in their businesses uh, and they had they all typically had young families. So uh, it, it kind of people kind of looked at me with envy, and some people thought, you know, why am I here? Because I'd I'd only two years of work experience at that stage, but it but it it did actually suit me, and it actually helped give me a a kind of an edge then in terms of where I wanted to go to and how I would kind of uh, kind of move away from starting in the back office of a bank to middle office, and then to be more client client focused, and that was that differentiator I I, I needed. So. Uh, and it's funny. I, I I enjoyed the time in in Michael Smurf at uh, even though it was it was tough because it was three days a week at night time, uh, yeah. and on Saturday mornings. Uh, so after work at four o'clock, or I would leave the office at four o'clock to go to lectures, and uh, I'd be coming home at ten o'clock at night. And I did that for 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 two years. But I but I actually really really enjoyed it because I was learning so much. Yeah. And tell me, I mean, we, we, your your major chunk of your career, of course, was the 18 plus years in investing. But before that, you were NCB, you were Dresdner, if I remember correctly, you were yeah, yeah. Capital, you were Scotiabank. <laughs> what did you learn from all those experiences? Well, I, I guess I what I learned was, you know, is that uh, I, I guess opportunities to be client facing in Ireland were were kind of rare in sense of you know uh, i when i went into to scotia bank i worked as a, a, a support for the dealing room i tried to get onto one of the dealing desks at you know trading desk for foreign exchange that didn't you know there was promises made didn't work out so yeah i kind of had to move a bit so i left stayed there two years went to dresner got a middle office a middle office role there with and that's in fairness i had a a, a good mentor who uh, who was uh, uh, you know guy who worked in the he was a german working in dresner and i worked with him for a couple of years and he he backed me all the way in fact he'd actually backed me to go to london to do a transfer but i was doing an okay job in in terms of what i was doing for him that the people i worked with didn't want me to leave so i ended up uh, uh, 
I uh, I had the transfer approved to go to Dresner Climb with Benson, and and uh, that's probably where I got a bit of exposure to investment banking. Uh, and at the time, there was a lot of talk about privatizations, and a lot of the London guys in investment bank were flying into Dublin, and I got exposure to it there. And that's how I why I wanted to then at that point uh, go 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 to go to London to, to get my experience, which I couldn't break into here. But as it happened, then uh, the guys in uh, Marion had broken away from NC be at the start in, in late 99 2000 and i i got a got an opportunity to work with a guy called pat pat landy and, and, and tom nolan who are very experienced corporate financiers they you know pat pat took a gamble on me based on my cv and my hunger to to try and do work in the space and probably the mba got me over the line and uh, i got to work with with, with those guys so I, I guess i i learned i had to kind of you know continue to to push to break into the space you know i'd been knocked back several times i'd you know i think i'd written personal private letters to each of the managing partners of the corporate finance firms i i nearly had a job with good bodies in fact uh with, with, with lean booth at the time who i subsequently ended up working for years later uh that fell through at the last minute so you know but i kept plugging away i knew where i wanted to go in terms of i i, I didn't i wanted to be client facing i wanted to to get get closer to the the client and be more strategic and use the education that I had got in, in, in through the MBA, uh, to, to, you know, to advise companies. And, uh, and uh, when I got the opportunity then in Marion, pretty much a startup, you know, the guys had broken away. You know, over the course of a couple of days, they set up a business and they had to, they were very hungry. So, you know, they worked hard. Uh, they played hard and, you know, we, 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 we built a very nice business uh, in, in, in Marion and I was on the corporate finance side and uh, I built a, built up a, a kind of a niche in terms of uh, raising capital for, for, for private companies, particularly companies in the ICT space, which has uh, kind of led me then ultimately to, to, to venture capital. So it was, uh, it was a journey where I just had to keep, keep, keep trying to op open doors if if, yeah. if 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 you like and tell um, me because you mentioned the word a couple of times how important was having a mentor and mentors in your oh oh absolutely you know i like you know as i said like i, ha I had a a great guy in Dresner who, you know, wanted to give me the opportunity. He actually himself, his name was Akam Specht, and he mm -hmm. he uh, he never had an opportunity to go to college. He joined the bank, you know, when he was 18 out of, out of college or out of school in the equivalent of school in, in, in Germany. So he kind of probably saw something in me and himself and decided he, he'd, he'd help me kind of progress a, progress my my, my, my my career um and you know same with, with pat pat landy he took a chance on me um you know and 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 and, and you know what though i think thing about mentoring is it works both ways when you've got somebody who's willing to help you and give you advice you've got to be prepared to listen to it and you've got to learn from it and I sucked up every piece of information that I could get from Pat. And, you know, he was uh, he was a fantastic man to me. Still somebody I, I still uh, see on a regular basis, somebody I still pick up the phone to and vice versa, uh, you know, and, uh, and and Pat's now in his in his 70s. And I, and I and I and I still, you know, I still see him and have so much regard for him, you know, and, and over the years, I've been fortunate to have other mentors. So I can't just li li say it's Pat, you know, there's there's being others but it's so important so but important tell me, tell me leo are there are there young people out there knocking around dublin who say my my mentor was leo hamill um i i i i i think i'd like to think that some of my my uh founders that i back would say that and i think a couple of them couple of them do uh you know and and you know i i i've I'm not one to blow my own trumpet, you know, and I, I, I never sought the limelight. I think I've always just tried to, you know, because when you invest in companies, it's, 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 you know, they, they need to have the limelight. They need to grow. So I, I don't, I don't seek it, but you know, I'm fortunate that I think some of them would, 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 would you know, I think as much call me not just a mentor, but maybe a friend and yeah. a, a, and a coach, you know. So, um, yeah. and I, I think 
So, yeah, I, I'd like to think there's one or two. Yeah, I won't say any names. So the big the big chunk, the 18 years in, in Vestec and, and setting it with 2008 or something like that when you and you set up the venture fund. How did that all come about? Yeah, so so um, so it was originally when I left Marion, it was around um, 2004, 2005. And uh, I, I, I moved from the corporate finance team into the corporate finance team with NCB. And because I had this track record of uh, raising capital uh, for, for companies, uh, NCB at the time had to Two, two earlier venture funds and in fact they were even in Irish pounds at the time and you know w w one was one was like I think it was like, uh, eight the equivalent of uh, 10 million euros it was about eight 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 million punt and then it was the, the next one was about uh, 15 million punt so it was doubled but they wanted to they wanted to um, expand the venture business so I was asked to work with uh, a very small team there were two people on the team and I was asked to to go help them raise a substantial fund targeting 70 75 million and I had you know the other funds had had kind of come a little bit easier to them if you like they were still difficult to get off the ground but they hadn't raised them internationally and they didn't have a broad and a broad investor base so i was experienced in terms of you know writing business plans um helping companies raise capital getting it getting getting meetings getting getting eyeballs getting them into the getting them into you know be able to pitch uh setting up roadshows and those types of things so i worked with michael murphy who was the head of the venture team at the time and uh, his, his colleague and you know I, I so i was seen as the guy to to to, to help help raise them raise the capital and we knew it would be a long journey but but as we went around the one thing that became uh, very transparent was that we 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 didn't have a team and it's chicken and egg you you know you you, you need it you need a team that somebody's going to back but yet people with experience and venture weren't going to come on board until we had the commitments so it was really hard to get people, you know, we could talk vaguely about the type of people we wanted to hire for the fund, but we couldn't get those commitments from them because people wouldn't move with experience. And even then, as a, as a profession, the number of people involved in venture capital was, you know, probably in terms of core professionals who invested capital in Ireland was probably 20 to 30 people. It's, it's, it's a very small you know, it was a very small base at that time. And um, it became clear. And at the time, I didn't realize, you know, Michael and Connor O'Kelly, uh, who headed up uh, the CEO of NCB, they were looking at me kind of saying, there's the guy. Now, I didn't quite see it that way because I was having still having a great career in corporate finance. I was I kind of took me a while to settle after I moved, but I had some good clients. I was doing some good deals. I had brought in some good business and, you know, um, I was quite happy there. And uh, but at the time, uh, it's quite funny. I was asked once I turned it down. And then I'd finished a, a transaction uh, for the Irish Times. We'd, we'd bought uh, my home and I had, I had uh, you know, been quite busy with that. And I was going off my holidays and Conor O'Kelly asked me into his office and I thought, you know, I'd done something wrong. And he said, I need you to, you know, I need you to do this, take one for the team. And uh, I wasn't too sure about it, but as it happened, my son was about 18 months old and I hadn't been seeing that much of him. And I figured, well, what's the point in having a family if you're not around at weekends, you know, right. and, and in, in corporate finance, when you're advising, you're pretty much on call. And, you know, you if you if you're in a transaction, there's periods of time there where you're going to be so busy that you're working, you know, you're working 12, 15 hour days. And it's a young man's game. Uh, I was I was still young at the time, probably, uh, you know, 34. But at the same time, it just didn't suit me where I, you know, in terms of uh, uh you know in, in terms of where i wanted to be and I, I i decided yeah i should do this now a year later i wasn't so sure you know it was very hard to raise that fund very yeah. very hard yeah. and uh, as we got closer to 2008 you know the markets were in turmoil you know that 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 summer lehman's had collapsed 
and uh, you know things were looking very very dark and we 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 were on track to close at 70 million and you know we 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 lost a 12 million commitment on a friday evening and we were like oh my god you know and i looking back on what have i done you know uh now fortunately myself and michael we just kept going the following week we got another 5 million we got a commitment from diageo uh uh Jazz Ireland um and uh we then fortunately the um electricity transaction the sale of electricity uh had happened uh which was an NCB deal uh that they were advising on and we managed to get some of the privates who had uh and the management team who had uh who had been involved in electricity to invest in our fund and that group put up seven and a half million uh, uh, and uh, then N- NCB helped us uh, themselves off the balance sheet. They put in about seven and a half as well. So we got 75 million away. Eighth uh, of October 2008, on the day that Ulster Bank or OBS, its parent, the share price went to a penny, and they were an investor in the fund. And we uh, we, we actually thought they were going to pull it, but they yeah. didn't. They stuck with us, and uh, it was it was an amazing roller coaster. But to get a fund away in October two thousand and eight was just, I mean, in hindsight, it was remarkable given everything that unfolded subsequently. Did you ever meet Fred the Shred? Uh, no, no, and I'd say it, you know he 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 was uh, he was in a you know not that long afterwards, and I'd say if he'd have been around in October two thousand and eight, yeah, we might have been shredded up in all in in all of his uh, his his fine work that he did afterwards. <laughs> when you look when you look at the you know you've had some phenomenal winners uh, over the years. Is, is it is it you know is it an art or a science or a process or luck or, oh, or what is it? All of the above. All of the above. It's it's. You know, I, I I I think you know. In hindsight, when I look back at the fund, we did twenty investments. Arguably, we did too many investments for even for a seventy-five million fund. Uh, but but at the time, we probably when we set out to do the fund, we didn't intend to and do so many companies. Uh, but there was a lot of pressure coming from. Uh, the marketplace to invest in terms of, you know, uh, supporting Irish companies. There was obviously a lot of unemployment, uh, uh, in, you know, in, in 2009, 2000, uh, 2010, uh, things were really, re- re- really getting bad. And there was a lot of people trying to, you know, get get companies off the ground here. And and there was pressure to invest. Uh, I think like a lot of, lot of the other funds of, of similar vintages, we were, you know, we, we, we succumbed to that, but, you know, we were at the same time, we were trying to, you know, not, not do too many, but we probably did a few more than we really should have done for a 75 million fund. And, um, but, you know, it, it was tricky because there was an awful lot of volume in the marketplace. And, and, and when you, once you announce a deal, once you announce your fund, you get a, a run, you know, there's a run of business plans coming at you and, you know, um, and because we'd already we were in the market anyway because we had we had we had the 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 an earlier fund that was not yeah. quite fully invested, but that particular fund was had a good track record as well. It was actually the investor in AMCS, which is now a very substantial company in its it, 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 its own right. So you know we we had some 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 good deals in in, in that particular fund, and uh, so we were known as a player anyway. But at the same time, the number of uh, volume increased. And you know, to is it an art? Is it a science? It's 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 a bit of everything. And luck does actually make, uh, you you know, uh, luck does actually come into it. I mean, I remember like one particular company where we were competing against Draper Spree. We really wanted to do the deal, and uh, they they went with Draper Spree. And you know, two or three years later, that company got into difficulty. So that was luck, and you know, but it works both ways. We've had other ones that we did where we, you know, luck wasn't with us. You know, maybe the market didn't emerge that we thought would be there, and so on. And, and then yeah. you know, you you're, you're dealing with people. And at the end of the day, you know, people's first thing on the list in terms of what you look for is the management team. But, you know, what being in situations where we, you know, we invested in a, 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 a management team where there was three founders and there was an external CEO who come into the business and we didn't know it, but they didn't get on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was only after the money went in 
uh, when the fighting started. So they'd actually kind of, you know, oh, call yeah. the call the truce. Yeah. And then and then when we put the money in, we realized, oh, my God, these guys Thank don't God. get on. Yeah. And we, we it was a disaster from day one. So, <laughs> you know, and we, we, we've had a, we had other companies where and, you know, with one company that subsequently went on to do great things. But within six months of the of the investment, the uh, the market it was involved in basically collapsed. Now we had put in, we had put in a, a check for 2 million. So there was plenty of cash in the system. Now many, they actually expected us to pull all the money, but we decided look, well, we couldn't really do that. We wanted to support the company and we wanted to support the job. But they reinvented themselves over the next year and a half. Now it then subsequently took a lot more time to, uh, to, 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 to scale, but it was a company called Beta Pond, which traded the Stitcher ads. It was based out of Waterford. And that company within, you know, its revenue went from one and a half million to practically zero within 12 months. And we had to completely, you know, to talk about pivot, which a great buzzword at the time pivot reinvent yourself and these guys did it and they they went on to be sold to an american company called cargo and then and they sold for uh, over 40 million right. so we we got, we got lucky with that one in the sense of how how it worked out but that was really down to the management team who just kept plugging plugging away you know so we've had a, we've had we've had good and bad sure. uh, like but that's the whole point as you know like the whole thing about is building a portfolio and, yeah. and, and you're going to have winners, you're going to have losers. Uh, I think when I look back at it, fortunate, unfortunately, we had one or two, you know, kind of ones losses at the start that impacted us and impacted investor confidence. And that meant then maybe we might have sold out of one or two companies a little too early to, 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 to kind of get the fund back into a reasonably looking shape in terms of profile and, uh, you know, maybe to pay for some of the sins. Whereas, you know, maybe like, you know, company like AMCS, you know, maybe we, we should have, we, we, we should have stayed in there a bit longer. Same with Fenergo. Now the exits were good. But maybe if we'd have stayed in a bit more, we 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 could have done done better. But but I mean, hindsight, <laughs> hindsight, yeah. And you know, yeah. the Gary Player line: the more I practice, uh, the luckier I get. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tell me, uh, how did you how did you cope, and what were the lessons learned from the financial crash? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think I, I you know. I, I think for us uh, as a fund, the, 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 the best thing we did and, and, and my, you know, at the time, while ultimately, as I said, we probably did too many investments. We probably should have done 15 or 16. We ended up doing 20. But in, in 2010, we actually only did, uh, we only did one, one deal. Uh, one one new investment in 2010. Now that annoyed some of our investors, but in, when I look back at it, it was actually particularly important that we didn't because the quality, the quality, there was the quantity was huge in terms of the number of inquiries, but the quality was poor and the quality was poor because, you know, the financial crash led to a lot of people, you know, putting out business plans, trying to get ideas off the ground because they had to, it was their way of surviving, their way of reinventing themselves if they'd lost their jobs or whatever. But, but the discipline in terms of not in, investing at that time was very important because it meant, you know, other, we were, we were working, you know, we, we would see other, other managers putting, putting money to work and in stuff that we would, we didn't like, or perhaps had hadn't had hadn't quite got to where it was supposed to have gotten. They were trying to raise additional capital, and we decided not to go with certain investments. And you know, it, it was kind of slightly questionable at the time because there was this pressure to invest. But but subsequently, we were probably found right in that the companies that were looking for money at the time subsequently failed, and 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 they 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 failed because of you know typically because of market dynamics uh, not because of the teams not because they weren't capitalized but just the, the, the market demand and so on the difficulty with that though was was that it elongated our investment timeline and it meant that we had a lot of to put the work then in years three four and five you know and and it meant then that by the time you come to the end of your 10-year fund we, we had a lot of companies that just hadn't matured 
So, so that that and that 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 financial crisis had 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 meant that you know it was taking companies longer to scale, uh, you know. So that 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 for me is less. I think it's just about discipline, um, and uh, yeah. So it uh, it was it was it was it was a it was a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. You know, particularly particularly we had an exposure. We did an, an, an we did you know we we were a bit of a a hybrid type venture fund that we were doing early stage seed rounds. We were doing, doing kind of series a rounds. And then we were also had this ability to do, to do buyout. And we, we did, we, we, we actually, we got involved and, you know, my, some of my colleagues or former colleagues won't thank me for saying it, but we invested in extra vision. I mean, at a time when it was a very significant employer, but it had a massive exposure to uh, store leases. Uh, it had over 200 stores. It was a very significant operation, 200 million of revenue. We bought it for, for, for 20 million with a, with, a, with, a, with a family office. We got 17 million, 7 million of debt into the equation. And we paid down that debt in six months. But very shortly afterwards, uh the the when the 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 disposable income basically fell off the cliffs and 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 the business imploded over the next kind of two years we tried to rescue it on 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 two occasions ultimately we put it into receivership and at the same time as the kind of consumer part of the business was collapsing now we had factored in technology change but technology the pace of technology change in netflix accelerated at that time yeah. and it was a double whammy for us you know so uh, that, that you know like that was uh, that was a, a huge lesson in terms of knowing that you know what let's go back to what we're good at which was uh you know venture capital not yeah. not not buy out let's go back to we we started to uh, shy away from consumer facing businesses, businesses that are big big exposures to leases to leaseholds. The problem was is that the store at the store level, the comp uh, the businesses were profitable, but with corporate overhead, you know um, we we that's where our, where our issue was there in terms of we we couldn't get the savings at the store. To, to, to you know because the landlords were in a, in a in a very well protected position because they were able to show that the stores were profitable yeah. but it was it was a tremendous like, i mean it, like i mean it was a it was a crazy time but it was one of those investments where we were kind of going what were we doing uh and it, and it happened early uh you know in 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 in, in our fund but uh, look at you, you you live you live and learn yeah. but thankfully we, we made up for it but it but it meant that we had to work harder then with our other investments in yeah. terms of you know getting back to getting the fund back to profitability which fortunately we, we did but it took took some time when we kind of fast forward to the the world that we're in now it's kind of unrecognizable to the economy we had 10 years ago <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Do you think there's a tendency in Ireland for companies to to want to kind of sell out when if they took on a bit of investment and debt, they could be sell out five years later at a much greater multiple? Um, I, I, I mean, I think I, I think there's, you know, it, it tends to be the majority of companies tend to tend to tend to sell. And it's not because I think they 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 you know they sell because they want to the, the founders want to make money and it's not necessarily be because the uh, because the funds that have backed them early want 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 an exit like i think sometimes it it can be down to factors uh for example if we look at silver cloud health which is a company that that we 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 funded from a very early stage we we spun it out of the ndrc um and you know the team there had been working on that project for three years prior to the investment and over the next kind of um you know six seven seven years we continued to scale that business and we had offers along the way to sell the business but by the time we sold out it wasn't so much that you know it, it we and we got a fantastic price and the multiples were, were, were absolutely fantastic on the business and ultimately we sold it for over 200 million but but we one of the reasons we we decided uh between the board and the founders to sell was you know the team had worked 
you know, tirelessly for many, many years. And we were worried in some ways about fatigue, but we were also more particularly worried about the amount of capital being thrown at the market by our peers in America. They were far better funded than we were. They were all starting to partner with larger companies, so had a lot more capital. Now, we had a fantastic product, best in breed product, um, and we, we figured we, we had a kind of a one to two year kind of timeline where we were ahead of everybody. So it, it, it became a view of, you know, do we, do we, do we take, you know, we, we, we had the opportunity to get out with a private equity. We could have been, you know, we, we could have been done a, done a private equity deal, re, recapitalized the business and got out. So, you know, but the management team themselves decided, you know, look at, they brought it to where they could and, you know, where the market was heading and the amount of capital requirement that, you know, you know, maybe it was time to move on. But I know that they, you know, the team is still there. They're still working within the company. So they haven't exited the themselves they're, they're they're wealthy people now but they're still working on it because they have a passion for it so for them that was the right the right call and you know i think as well and i look if you look back the um, the, the volume in, in ireland private equity uh, you know, we have more private equity funds here now than we ever had. Yeah. Uh, in fact, like, you know, back in the day, we really didn't have any. Because now we have, you know, we have MML on the ground. We have the development capital fund from the BDO people. We have uh, Cardinal. We have Renatus. We have Melier. You know, uh, we have Waterland. So we have quite a range of funds that can kind of invest in Ireland anything from, you know, 10 million up to 40, 40 million. And we'll always have the US funds who cherry pick and come in and, and, and bring businesses forward. And but, but but Ireland has proven itself to be uh you know uh uh um you know quite a quite a good market. So even when those Irish funds were were, were building up their presences here, you know, we had the likes of the Highlands and the inside capital, inside partners uh, coming into Ireland and doing deals like AMCS and Fernergo, where there were two companies that we had backed where we were able to get out, but the founders were able to stay and they were also able to de-risk it for themselves and taking money off the table. And I think that ability for them to take money off the table meant that there's more choice now. You don't necessarily have to sell, but in some cases it makes sense to, to, to sell. You know, if you're not going to be, if you're not going to become the unicorn, you know, there's no harm in selling out if you can get prices that are everyone is happy with. And Leo, so. you went on then, uh, you, you headed up the, the Irish Venture Capital Association. Why did you do that? And how did that come about? Well, so so the IVCA uh, is the you know, representative body for venture capital and, and private equity in, in Ireland. And um, the, the, the council or the board of this association is, is, is made up of the, the venture capital and private equity managers in the, in the marketplace. So it's a representative body that really, you know, pushes tries to push our agenda in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, policy set by, you know, Department of Finance, Department of Enterprise Trade and Employment, you know, sets, set, provides, provides training, provides coaching, gets involved in, you know, projects like women in business uh, and, and so on and, and, and level, level 20, but also, uh, you know, standards regulation and stuff like that so it's an industry body and uh, i i joined it for i like we were you know we're, we're remembered investec has has been a member for for you know as long as we were from the very very first days uh you know 25 years ago when they set up the, 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 the first fund um and uh I, I went on to the council four years ago and it's like anything you know if you if you it's uh, you know you, what you what you give you get back as such you know and uh, you can get as involved uh, as much as you want to and we had a we, we our executive changed a few years ago in terms of the team who work on it on a daily basis and we had a, a Sarah Jane Larkin came in and she come from a pharmacy uh, uh, you know a tech a pharma background where. They know how to lobby. They know how to set policy. They know how to get into the face of the government departments. And she has uh, really, really kind of brought it to a new level where, you know, the association is involved in all the discussions 
substance about you know what's going on in our ecosystem, what the issues are, and how we can address them. Now, change happens very slowly, but you know we're at the t- we're at the table now, and I guess um, you know it was just I, I guess it rotates uh, in terms of the chairperson role. So I was vice chairperson the year before, and I took on. Uh, kind of one of the tasks was to grow the membership base. And I took that on and we've, we've been very good in, 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 you know, getting people who had maybe their membership had lapsed. And our membership isn't just the private equity managers or venture managers. It's also the law firms, the accountancy firms, uh, consultancy firms that, that provide services and, 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 and get work from our ecosystem and from, from, from the investments, either when the original investment may trade sale or ipo or whatever yeah. you know it's in it's 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 just 50 plus members and uh i took on the role of trying to grow the membership base and get people whose membership have lapsed either during covid or lapsed you know as far back as the financial crisis who hadn't come back into us who were who were working with our members or our private managers and and so I did that quite successfully and then took on the chair chairperson chairperson role which I've which I've re- really really in, in, enjoyed it's a tremendous honor to be asked by your peers to 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 represent them um you know at, at various forums and initiatives so so on monday for example Monday coming, I'm uh, Sarah Jane and I are going to, uh, we've been invited to the uh, government's uh, economic forum, uh, you know, for future development for the economy, uh, which is a series of workshops with government ministers from enterprise trade, uh, Department of Finance, uh, you know, public expenditure and so on, and, and, and all government departments really looking at the future. So it's a chance for us to get across the importance of, of, of venture investment in, in, in Ireland and the role in the Irish economy that it, that it has. Just uh, shifting slightly, but in your position, when you gave your speech at the, um, the dinner, the big yeah. you, you touched on a topic which um, is very is a very sensitive topic, and, and, but you have an obvious passion in the whole area of mental health. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, I said, yeah, uh, it's an interesting one because, um, uh, you know, I, 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 so it's, you know, there's 450 people in the room. Um, there were, there were, there wasn't an empty seat in the house and, uh, it's our, it's our big annual dinner. And, uh, you know, there was, we, we, we could have sold more tables, uh, but we didn't have the room, uh, in, in, in the intercontinental to do so. But, but I guess I wanted my speech to be something that was, um, I, I guess not quite so much memorable because I, I, I started off by saying nobody ever remembers the chairperson speech. It's all about the entertainment. <laughs> and, and and I can remember, I can tell you who the entertainers were 20 years ago when I first started going to the dinners and, and, and they're great nights out. They really are. Um, but, but I, I kind of wanted it to be not so much about backslapping and saying how great we were and how many, you know, how many jobs we create and all this type of stuff. So, and you know, the, the importance of us, cause you know, people don't want to be lectured to. So I, I, I wanted to talk about something, just the, the importance of, I, I, I guess a question. So, so I was I was about to decline um, Silver Cloud Health as an opportunity when it came into me, and one of the reasons I was going to decline it was was because prior to that, not that long, I'd just come back into the office. I'd been out of out of work for roughly six months with uh, you know my my own my own issues in terms of mental health, my own struggles and dealing with, you know, workload and, and, and just trying to just de- deal with life. And I was struggling, but I, 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 I got help. I, I came back into the office plan was there and I was going to say no. And a lot of it was to do with the fact that I had a lot of doubt whether, first of all, whether as a market, it was the right time, whether it will be how it will be seen by my peers within within NCB at the time in terms of in terms of you know w- w- was I you know uh, I guess uh, you, you know will w- w- people see that I'm doing this because of what I'd experienced and not because of what what it could do or what change it could make and I, I just wanted to talk about that and explain that when I was turning it down 
I've been used to people arguing with me and maybe giving out to me and, you know, maybe the odd person called me a tool because I, I turned them down. And I spoke to Ken Cahill, who was the CEO, and I said to Ken, listen, Ken, I don't think this is for us. It's, you know, and uh, I, I, my own struggles, but I, but I told them, you know, it wasn't quite for us. I didn't see the market as being, being ready, even though I really saw the need and I like what they were trying to do. And Ken, Ken, rather than argue with me, just said to me, can I have 20 minutes of your time? And, and I, I, I hadn't heard, you know, nobody really ever tried that subtle kind of listen, just just hear me kind of thing. You know, they were he was so nice about it. And, you know, I, I said, ah, there's no point. I don't really change my mind on these things. And he said, I ah, know, please. He said, just just let me talk to you about this. So I, I said, here, he's reasonable. Let's go meet. And we, he came into the office and uh, he's uh, Ken is six foot seven. In fact, he could be six foot nine. He's huge. And his co-founders are all six foot as well, by the way. So so there was me, five foot, five foot seven of me looking at this guy in the lift. And he said to me, you have to be six foot to get a to, to get a job in Silver Cloud. And I said, well, you, you, you can only be five foot odd in venture capital, I said to him. And he explained it to me. But I, 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 I just wanted to explain to people that, you know, maybe maybe you know the decisions we make have impact and um you know the importance of mental health because at the time nobody was doing mental health and you know nobody saw it as impact investing nobody saw it as uh you know uh, i think the, some of my own investment committee probably struggled with the kind of um the 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 decision to invest and i had actually brought on the day we brought in silver cloud i actually brought another company table which was beta upon that i mentioned earlier which traded the stitcher ads and i was asked to choose between the two of them just to see how i'd react and i actually said silver cloud which was was funny so uh, uh hope the guys beta upon don't listen to this but uh, i said silver cloud and and they were surprised and i said well because i said because it actually has the most the best potential to make a lot of positive change. And it was less about the financial, it wasn't about the financial return. And I guess I wanted to just explain to people that maybe, you know, at the time I wasn't going to go with my gut. I did go with my gut. And going with your gut sometimes is the is the is the the best the best thing to do. Now I'm fortunate both transactions worked out, both investments worked worked out. But that Silver Cloud has gone on to to um make a massive uh, massive kind of impact on um, on on uh, you know mental health internationally in terms of the products and the rollout that it's happened. You know, I mean it it's like you know staff wise five to one hundred and fifty people, five hundred customer organisations, eighty five percent of the UK NHS uh, services use SilverCloud to deliver mental health. Uh, last year, you know, um, I mean, I, I know we're well over the 1 million mark in terms of the number of people that, that have used it. And it's a very, very effective uh, way of treating, you know, uh, uh, mental health, uh, anxiety, depression and so on. And so rather than a face to face appointment with a with a you have online CPT and it's 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 and and, and many other programs um uh, that, that 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 they have and I guess I I just um uh you know it was something that was important to me but I think um you know, we all focus on the IRRs, we all focus on cash on cash and these types of things. But I want the people to realize is that look at the impact we have actually can be quite meaningful. Um, and 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 the companies we back, it can be more than statistics. And so, so I, I, but I wasn't expecting the reaction, the reaction yeah. that I got. Uh, um, I yeah. think a lot of people it was kind of uh, people were surprised that I stood up there and talked to them because I, I. The way I'd gotten into it about myself and how I understood this straight away and how I understood what it could do and just the self-doubt. I think people kind of were uh, somewhat surprised and taken back that I openly stood up and said, you know, I have suffered, you know, 
I didn't quite say the words I'd suffered with my own mental health or I had I suffer from anxiety and depression. But I, I, I do. And I think a lot of people were surprised that I'd openly said it. But I just wanted to convey uh, a, 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 a number, number of messages and particularly the one about the, you know, when I saw it as perhaps being self-indulgent. I, I really struggled with that about me. Why was I doing this? But I'm glad, so glad I did it. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, you know, I, I, one of my investment committee, actually, <laughs> they're not going to thank me for saying this, but one of them actually said to me, he said, everyone deserves a mulligan. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. at the time, I remember going, I'm going to ignore that. And I did ignore it, but it made me quite annoyed for some time afterwards, but more the need. It, it really then made drove me on, drove me on to make sure Silver Cloud was a success. So it's it's the one that I'm I'm actually I'm obviously most proud of. I'm very close to the the founders, but but it's it's funny how it came about, and I could easily have said no to it, but I went with my gut, yeah. uh, despite my reservations. So, so uh, we, 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 all these topics we could go on all afternoon. Yes. I mean, I, I and I have to say, I mean, I do really admire people who show a degree of vulnerability. And I sometimes say to groups, you know, the one thing that I have in common with them is that there's a little voice inside of me which keeps saying you're not good enough. And I think we all have that voice, you know. Yeah, I. It's a little bit yes. of a battle, and I mean the imposter syndrome stuff. You know, am I good enough? Yeah. I'm looking for evidence to support that view. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so, and I think AI and chat GPT and all that stuff that's going on, technology is designed to bring us all together, actually sometimes it's the opposite effect and uh, create some sort of issues and problems. I wanted to ask you one quirky question at the end to finish because we, we, we've got time. BVP won't thank me for going on because we could have done <laughs> The question I was going to ask is because it's, it's asked by, to me the other day and I, I really made me think, um, and the question was, what piece of advice uh, did you get uh, and you took and you regret taking it? <laughs> you know, Kingsley, that is, the, oh, God, that is a tough question. Yes. Um, you know, and I'm not sure I actually have a, an answer for you because I, I, I you know, one thing I have learned uh, over over the years is, is you know, th there's no point in looking back because you can't change the past, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And 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 I guess um, I I think I've always had some good advice around me. Um, I, I, I guess there's probably one or two investments I wish we hadn't done where there was advice to invest in them. I'm not going to say what ones they were, but but yeah, definitely. I, I think it's it's probably investments we made where I go in hindsight, you go, what, what were we at? What were we doing um, at the time? Maybe, you know, we didn't speak up enough in terms of maybe people on the team who had reservations and so on. Uh, but you know, it's 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 when you're part of a team and the other people are investing and everyone's got a responsibility. You you know you have to you have to trust people. But I, I think it's if from a business perspective, it's probably those investments. Maybe, you know, if I think on a, on the on the on the family side, you know, maybe maybe I kind of waited a little bit longer to start a family. You know, if I'm if I'm being honest, and I I think I think that's some you know people. People tend to focus when we're young, and you know we we maybe focus on building our careers, um, and you know I, I think uh, you know like you know you you know it took us a while then when we after we got married you know we waited many many years and and you know it's it's hard to you know it, it's not easy and I I think just things like that that I look back and go maybe we maybe we the timing of decisions was was kind of you know what wasn't fantastic uh in terms of focusing on the career maybe not focusing on ourselves a bit bit bit, bit more but it's it comes back to the you know the thing we were talking before the the interview about balance in life yeah uh, you gotta well, I'll have... give you, I, I, when i was asked that question i'll give you the, the answer i i gave two answers one was i i got a bit of advice when i was a youngster from parents really about career and the, the advice was work hard keep your head down keep out of trouble and let your work speak for itself. And then through my career, I began to realize that, you know what? Work doesn't speak. 
other people speak. And, yeah. and if they don't know, you know, how you're contributing to the success of the organization. If they don't know, if you don't speak up, actually, it wasn't very good advice. And the other advice, I mean, we give this to kids all the time, which is don't talk to strangers, right? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but yeah. statistically, our kids are at more danger from friends and family than they are from strangers. And yet, yeah, that's that, not very good that, you know what? And in, in, and in, in, in venture and private equity investing, you've got to talk to strangers. Yes. <laughs> that, that's funny. If I bring that back to the conversation I had with Ken, like, you yeah. know, I didn't have to have that conversation with him. He was a stranger. I don't, he's, you know, we were only talk, talking over a phone for a couple of minutes and he, I didn't know him, but actually him coming in and him talking to me as a stranger meant I was able to get to know him. And I was able to see that, you know, the, the this, this management team, the one thing I admire so much about them was, but, Ken kind of in some ways reminded me of myself when I was trying to build my career was that he listened to everybody. He learned from everybody. If he, and he, he was very humble and wanted to learn. He was prepared to make mistakes, but he was prepared to kind of constantly improve himself by learning. And he always wanted your opinion and your advice. And, and, and as you say, just go back, you know, so that's, that's what I not have known anything like that about Ken until I'd met him yeah. and he was a stranger when I met him so it's yeah. it's 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 kind of funny I think there that's there are actually some 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 great examples and I you know I think you're 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 absolutely right about um you know it's it's sometimes it's you know it's it's easy to sit at the desk and not talk about yourself or talk about the businesses you've you've backed you know and I like some of the some of the best presentations that I go to and turn that the ones I like to go to are actually hearing from founders, hearing from people talk about their experiences. That's where you learn. Yeah. You know, so uh, I, worked uh, in the US, um, I got a piece of advice, which I did take and I realized was correct. I was a bad day on the road beats a good day in the office. And, and I just thought, you know, you're right. You know, get out. Nobody comes yeah. in you. I, I listened to Scott Galloway, who I listened to his podcast the other day, and he said, you know, kids today, they should spend seven hours at home and most of it asleep, and the rest of the time they should be out. Playing sports, going to bars, uh, dancing, whatever it takes, but just be out, you know? And I yeah, think... I yeah. <laughs> that's something I've tried to do with my own children is uh, keep them involved in sports. My, my father pushed us all academically, and mm -hmm. sports were not a factor in as in our, in our in our teenage years now at the time i know why he did it uh and he thought it was the you know he wanted the family to get opportunities that he didn't and and, and i fully respect it but with my own children i'm trying to kind of do the opposite is is actually keep them involved in sports because it's actually so important for 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 in terms of development but mixing with people knowing learning skills interpersonal skills team skills and i think importantly for their mental health it's yeah. it's so okay. important to be out there so, so. A, a slightly self-indulgent final question given what i do but how important in your career was networking oh it's i mean it's it, it's 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 huge i mean it's it, it's uh it is absolutely imperative that you're out networking and in venture because you know the worst thing that can happen to you if you're not out networking is that if you're sitting in the office waiting on a business plan, it won't come into you because, because looking for the next best thing and then, you know, the next big opportunity. And if you've missed, if you've missed that investment and you haven't seen it, you know, you're not doing your job. And, and uh, if it, once the deal is done, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to then get on, get onto the ticket, you know, and, and, and I think we were fortunate in terms of the team that we had, they were hungry to get out and hungry to try and find companies. And, and so networking is just so important. And, and now, as you know, like I, I, I've, I've, I've uh, finished with Investec and for yeah. me, networking is now for me, the next challenge to getting back into the market, to move to my next chapter, whatever that is, and, you know, be it 
be it trying to, you know, um, you know, get some non-executive roles that are uh, that are away from the fund, you know, that are that are my own. So I, I've got a network. I've got a continuous network to 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 to, to make it make a living. And uh, you know, so it's it's you know, it's one of the most important important things. And uh, you know, it's uh, um, and I think after after COVID. It's highlighted the importance of a network. You know, you've you've yeah. you've got to, you know, if because if because if you're if you're stuck at home and you're not talking to people, you know, it's uh, it's not a good formula. I mean, the, no. the reality is that our networks have shrunk. We've hunkered down with yep. family, a few business connections, and some of those things I said earlier are real issues. Listen, we've run through, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you, Leo, very much. Thank Business Venture Partners. And um, and look, I, as I said, I, you, I the great thing is that, you know, there's more in front of you than behind you. So you got lots yeah. of chapters, chapters of that book to write. And by the way, there is a book in there somewhere, Leo. I, I, yeah, I've thought about it. I thought about it. I'd have to have to anonymize a few chapters, though. <laughs> Kingsley, thank you so Good. much Listen, for, thank you. for uh, ha- having me today and for l- letting me ramble on. I appreciate it very much. And thanks to BVP as well. Okay, thanks everybody.